Even from a very young age, we discover that our children are very good at exerting themselves and exerting their independence against us even before we're ready for it. I remember we took our, our oldest, we took our oldest Madeline off to college um, up in New York City. What a place to leave your firstborn to college. Patricia and I, Madeline, would be out buying bath towels or pots for her kitchen. And for crying out loud, at the most random moments, I would burst into tears. Finally, when I was, I picked up a spatula for her kitchen and started crying again. She took me aside and she gave me a little talking to. Dad, she said, stop crying all the time. This is a good thing for me. I'm in a good place. This is a happy day, so be happy for me. Patricia was doing a really good job at keeping it together, but I had to grow up a little. I had to stifle my tears and and get on with it and recognize that my daughter was growing up. We had to let her go and let her be an adult even before we were ready. And it's great to see in the gospel that some things have remained the same for a couple of thousand years. This was the same even for Jesus. As a burgeoning adult, Jesus left his family for a time and pulled away from his family to take some time and figure out what his faith would look like apart from them. It's no trivial matter for him to disappear for a few days. The first day wasn't so worrisome because these groups traveled as large family units, and so they just figured he was off talking to some of his friends, but they start asking around, and no one has seen him anywhere, and so then they get worried. This was a a time when you had to keep track of your children especially. He could have been jailed or killed or taken into slavery. And so this was a scary thing that he did, running away from them, in essence, to go to the temple. But, you know, those of us who are around teenagers... Uh, any amount of time, or have teenagers of our own, we understand that, that around the age of 12, they start wanting to not spend time with us. They find that most of what we say and what we do and just our very existence to be stupid and embarrassing. And you know, like Joseph and Mary, we get worried sick about our kids. Notice what the gospel says today. It's very strong language. We are astonished. In other words, Mary was saying, we're worried sick about you. Who hasn't said that about their kid when they haven't returned a phone call or answered a text or shown up at curfew time? And who hasn't been sassed back at like Jesus does to Mary today when we ask them, what were you thinking? Which is basically what she does. And it's wonderful to see that this has been going on for a long time. And that even the Son of God, God incarnate, experienced being a teenager. But see, teenagers are just doing their jobs when they do this, when they push back against us. And it's even more wonderful when they push back against us a little bit within the context of their faith because they're doing the important work of figuring out who God is for them and and, and who they are with their faith, just like Jesus is doing today. So this push and pull that we find in adolescence is a good news and a bad news kind of thing. 
It is maddening to live with burgeoning adults who are pretty sure that they know everything. And one of the best things I ever heard about parenting adolescents came uh, from a friend of mine who was a psychotherapist who worked with a lot of adolescents. And I was bemoaning a little uh, bump in the road with one of our teenagers. You know, we'd had a week where we'd had many of those moments. And we were not enjoying parenting a 15-year-old at the moment. And she said to me, you know, the teen years come and they're there to make it so you want them to move out, right? (laughs) They get a little big for their britches. They push the limits, just like Jesus does today when he heads out for the temple. And sometimes even they have a little instinct about what's right for them when we don't, what's good for them, like Jesus did today. So when Mary experiences this horror and expresses this horror, she's witnessing a good, healthy part of life for her son. And this little episode in Luke is sandwiched between Jesus' infancy narrative and the rest of Jesus' ministry. And it's no coincidence it's coming there because it points to the the fact that Jesus had to grow as a person in his faith. He had to grow as a person in his relationship with the faith that he was handed when he was born. It points to the fact that God incarnate was wholly human and subject to the same kinds of things that we face in our personal growth. I mean, how great is it that God was a teenager? And it's emblematic for us, too, who have already moved beyond the teen years Because it reminds us of the work that we have to continue doing as as adults, as, as Christ followers. We, too, have to continue growing up. We have to begin and continue thinking of ourselves as adults in faith. We have to think of Jesus as an adult. Christmas is over in a couple of days. As we all know, Jesus will go on to challenge those very same authorities that he sits arguing with today in the temple. He'll flip over the tables of the money changers. He'll cause them all kinds of trouble. He'll live as a semi-homeless prophet and preacher. He'll turn to perfectly responsible people and ask them to drop what they are doing and follow him. He will heal the worst kind of unclean people for his day and he'll be friends and he will love, openly love, people that he was supposed to hate. Jesus the child and Jesus the teenager and Jesus the adult becomes Jesus of the cross. And we too have to do the hard work of following this grown-up Jesus And later on in Jesus' life, he shows us that that going about God's business, as he says he's doing today, is not about following law or about being righteous, but happens through the simple yet difficult work of love, of being loved by God and of loving others as God loves us, of living fully into the life that God has in store for us, And when we leave behind our childhood, we begin to own our faith. 
Catherine Marshall, a rather prolific uh, spiritual writer, who incidentally went to college at Agnes Scott here in Atlanta. Her husband Peter was the chaplain of the United States Senate. In one of her books, she talks about how one of the things she struggled with as, as she grew older was that she had to leave behind her inherited Christianity. Our faith is not just an inherited faith, then. Our faith is, is forged out of the difficult and exciting process of growing up. But that's a process that never ends. And we face our challenges and our questions together as a community. And we even leave behind things of childhood as a community. Because see, even Jesus questioned Jesus questioned everything so he could grow up. But this is hard. This is hard for us sometimes. When we are stressed and we are busy and we are doing the hard work of being a church community, sometimes it can seem like it's not worth it to question. It can be too much work and too much energy to question and to struggle and to continue growing up. One of the things that we talk about in youth ministries It's how faith needs to be active and mindful. I think Jesus is trying to embrace a mindful and an active faith, a faith that he's doing out loud, a faith that is his faith, a faith that's authentic and that he's doing on purpose. An active faith, an authentic faith, makes God's world a better place. An active and authentic faith looks to make relationships better, and to allow God to do her good work through us and in us and for us. And it's our hope as youth workers that that all things that we do in our work work towards this end with the young people in our church and in the larger culture. But it's hard because sometimes being a youth worker feels like being a cruise director. I mean, this week's a good example. We have multiple events going on all the time. And the events are wonderful because they draw this place, they draw children to this place and show them what's already true, that this is a place that loves them and this is a place that that desires to be hospitable to them. And as I like to tell uh, the kids in, in our program, you know, the happiest moment of my week is just when they walk through that door and they come and they spend time here working on their faith with us. But in the end, if all that doesn't point to this mindful and active faith, to this authentic faith, then all we're doing is entertaining them. And I think that there are many people who can entertain teenagers better than we do. I'm pretty sure that what keeps our kids coming here in the end is not being entertained by us, but being in a place where like the young Jesus can in the temple, they can question and they can search. They can argue with their elders. And they can work on embracing their adult faith. I'm pretty sure that's what keeps all of us coming here as well. So as a community, we can, for our children, provide them a place where they can do this safely. And we can provide a place where one another can do this safely as well, where we can challenge and we can question and we can move towards a faith that is adult and realized doing God's work 
in pursuing the faith of Christ. So in our silence, let's consider then how we might be able to embrace embrace a more adult faith in the coming year and how we are called to follow Jesus in mission and in fellowship and in our way of life.